Amen. Well, good morning, church. Can we give it up for our worship team and all of our AV crew helping us out? You know, we've been talking the last uh, three weeks about mission. We've been in a series uh, going through, focusing on mission, and uh, we've been trying to do it the right way. As as Rob and Liz were sharing, we've been trying to focus on the heart first, and I want to use a prop to to talk about that little analogy right there, okay? So we've been saying, you know what, it matters how you start. We've been talking about private victory in the heart before public victory, and I want to use a slingshot to demonstrate. Is that all right with you guys? Even if you said no, I'm still going to do it. I got permission. Okay, so, so the, we, first we started with God's heart for humanity. If you try to do the mission without understanding God's heart for humanity, you're not, you're not going to go very far. Okay? You're not going to go very far. Once you get God's heart for humanity, you go a little bit further back into God's heart, but then you don't just understand God's heart, but then you got to adopt God's hearts. you got to be able to see with his eyes. And what we talked about was seeing with the love and compassion of Jesus. So, so then if you go deeper and you go further into God's heart and you adopt his eyes, you can actually, that did not work like I wanted it to. Okay, how about that? I'll get a little bit further. All right, I'll get a little bit further. But then once you really adopt God's heart, once you really go deep into the heart of God and you, the further you go back, the further you go back into love, the further you fly, okay? The further, I'm sorry if that hit you. The further, the further you go into God's love, the more you understand him, the further you're going to go forward, okay? Okay. So, <coughs> we focused for a couple weeks though on going backwards Last, and then this last week, we started talking about going forwards. We talked about the, the, the serving the poor side of, of the mission. And we're going to keep on talking about going forward this week with the seeking, saving the lost part of mission, but it's built off of everything else we just talked about. Amen? Amen. You can't go forward without going deep into God's love. So that starts us out going into, anybody want some Skittles? Gabe? All right, okay, fight for it. All right, there you go. Wow, hands. Kenny, oh my. So today, today we're talking about the heart of faith. Oh, I am not. Interesting. Okay, so today we're talking about the heart of faith. And, um, and I want to ask you a question. It, we might have to help me in the back. I'm looking for what, you th- what do you think about the mission? The, what words come to your mind when you think about the mission? There it is. There it is. Okay, thank you. Okay, when you think about the mission, what words come to your mind? You know, Nani Trawick's one of our amazing interns in our campus staff, and she guided our thoughts with some of our leaders recently on this. I wish she was here to share it, but she's in New York. But she asked us this question, and I don't know about you, but action words usually come to my mind, right? Go for it. Move forward. Send them out. Like, act with passion. Those kind of action words. The words she put on our minds, I want to put on your mind. When you think about the word mission— I think about the word rescue, rescue. You know, we've heard this concept of, um, have you heard the concept of who's the goat? Y'all have heard about that? I don't know what generation, you know what I mean, that that's in, but goat stands for the greatest of all time, right? So you say, who's the basketball goat? Is it MJ or it's LeBron? Well, it's clear, six for six in the finals, it's MJ, okay? You you might say like, who's the goat in football? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it Brady? Is it Manning? I'm a Falcons fan. I'm not, allowed to, I'm not allowed to like the dude. 
but Brady's the goat, okay? You know what I'm saying? So, but I want to introduce you to a new phrase, all right? It's not, it's not goat, the greatest of all time. It's the Grimote, all right? <laughs> Grimote. And what this stands for is our first point today. It's the greatest rescue mission of all time. The greatest rescue mission of all time. As we talk about having a heart of faith, today we're going to talk about two concepts to put your faith in. The first one is to put your faith in the greatest rescue mission of all time. And the second is all about putting your faith in how God can use you as a part of it. We're going to start in John chapter 3 and look at Jesus being on the greatest rescue mission of all time. In John 3, It reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God loved the world, and so he gave his Son. He sent him on this mission trip. And then down in Luke 19, For the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save the lost. You know, Jesus came to earth on the greatest rescue mission of all time. He left heaven behind to rescue humankind on this earth. It's the mission of reconciliation. He rescues us from our sin so that we can live in an incredible relationship with him. Jesus being sent on a rescue mission for our salvations of our souls, though, is a product of something. It's the product of God's dream. It's God's dream for his people. Have you ever thought about that? Like, what happens when God dreams? What does he dream about? What does he long for? Like, what happens then? It's a crazy thought. Like, God is omni-everything. I mean, he's, he's, he's everywhere. He knows everything. He's, he's, he's all-knowing. Like, he's, he's huge. And so when you take a giant God, it's mind-boggling to think about when a huge God dreams, what happens? And the result we got was something epic, that King Jesus sacrificially dying on behalf of mankind and then miraculously resurrecting from the dead. Like if that was, if that was the first time you ever heard that right there, like you took a step back from hearing that every single week and it kind of going in one in here and one out the other, that's a crazy thought. I mean, it's like, what, how did God even come up with that plan? It's crazy. Like what an epic rescue mission. But what else can we expect? He's a big God, and so of course he's going to have big dreams. And that's what this rescue mission is all about. And our goal is we need to let people experience the dream of God, to be rescued by Jesus. Amen? It's the ultimate dream. But what is crazy is that this epic dream of God doesn't just stop there. The incredible mission to seek and save the lost didn't just stop at Jesus. But God's rescue mission for humanity includes you. Now, first, of course, it includes you in terms of God coming down and saving your soul. But then when God says, how do I want to save other people? It's this, it's this crazy idea that God wants to use you in his plan to save other people. God's rescue mission for humanity includes you. Check out these two verses. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Uh, Paul says, but thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. 
It's an incredible thought that God uses us. Check out similar language in 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the message of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Can we say amen? Amen. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. Check out the highlighted portion. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is, guys, this is like a crazy thought right here. That God decided that he wasn't going to come down and to speak to every human on earth himself. Like you think he would be able to spread the knowledge of himself better than you. Or that God said, hey, I'm not going to come down and, and, and implore people on my own behalf to reconcile to me, but I'm going to implore people through you to do that. Like, if, if I was in charge of things, man, this world would be really bad if that was true. If I was in charge of things, I think I, as God, I mean, why didn't God come down himself? Can you imagine if God came down personally and studied the Bible with every human himself? I think you'd have a lot better success rates, you know what I'm saying? But even though that makes logic in our own wisdom, in his supreme wisdom, he decided to do it differently. In his supreme wisdom, he, he decided that he was going to use you, that he was going to use us, that he was going to speak through us to this world. The incredible dream isn't just for people to be rescued by God, but his dream is to use you to rescue other people out of the darkness. And that is an incredible thought. So I ask you, church, with God using you, do you believe God wants to use you? The king of the universe has the greatest dream of all time, to have all people saved and come to the knowledge of truth, 1 Timothy 2. But just as crazy as that is he wants to use you to accomplish that. Every time God uses me to help someone become a Christian, it blows my mind. In fact, when, most people, when people ask me, hey, what, what started you wanting to go in the ministry? I usually start talking about that. I tell people, I got addicted. I got addicted to the feeling of being used by God. There's no greater feeling in the universe than knowing the, the creator of the universe is using you to change somebody's eternity. To, to illustrate that, I want to talk about putt-putt golf, all right? Ye- yesterday, Toy and I and Cam, we went and played putt-putt golf at Mountain Asia in, in Kennesaw. Anybody? All right, we went and played. And uh, so here's a picture from us from yesterday. We had a blast. Cam, Cam, was, Cam was killing it. And um, now I want to talk about my wife, all right? LaToya, I married an athlete, all right? You know, you know that moment when you're in the kitchen and like a glass falls off like from the cabinet and you just poof, catch it and you're like, that was amazing. You know, like that moment right there? Toya does that all the time. Like she, her reflexes are incredible. Like when we go to the beach, we throw the football to each other. You should see her hands, man. It's awesome. You wouldn't have caught that if Toya was going for it, Kenny, okay, man? But, but usually, usually in sports, I win, for whatever that means, okay? But not yesterday. Toya humbled the mess out of me in putt-butt golf yesterday. I more than doubled her score. So just a reminder, in golf, the lower score, the better, right? And so... Um, the, 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 the higher score you are, the worse you are. So she did more than twice as good as me. So in mini golf, I got 25 over par yesterday. Like, it was so bad. You know, at, at different moments, I thought I was happy Gilmore. Like, get in your home. Like, what is happening? It was terrible. 
yeah, I, I feel like I got 20 more years before I got to get good at golf, so I got some time, all right? I'll, do, I'll, I'll use my legs still. Okay, so I, I want to talk about this. Imagine, imagine for some elite golfers. Imagine if Tiger Woods and Phil Nicholson uh, signed up to be in a team golf tournament, and, and each team had three players, and it was the best combined score of all of them wins, okay? So they teamed up together, and they're, like, they, and they're scouting for another elite athlete, all right? And imagine I get a call this morning, and it's Tiger Woods. And I'm like, dude, no, it's not. You know? And so he goes, look, man, we got this tournament. Phil and I are playing together. Like, Phil who? Phil and I are playing together, and we need one more guy. After we saw you, your scorecard yesterday, dude, getting a 25 at Mountain Asia in Kennesaw, like, you're exactly who we're looking for. I'll go, dude, this isn't Tiger Woods, man. <laughs> Imagine that for a moment, if that was serious, Okay. God partnering with us to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus is like Tiger and Phil calling me and saying, we want you on our team. Like, it makes no sense. What if Tiger and Phil, they took me for three months, trained me every single day, taught me everything they knew, took off my arms of flesh, put on arms of the spirit or Tiger Woods or whatever. Like, it's something like that, all right? But the idea, the idea, first and foremost, that God would save us. Like, for the rest of my life, I, I am going to be wondering why would God ever save me? But secondly, why in the world would he not just save me, but why would he use me? It makes no sense. Like, God, why do you want to use me and speak through me? Wouldn't it be better if you did it yourself? But in his wisdom, he wants to use us. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, as long as God wants to use me, I'm his. As long as he wants to use my mouth, speak through me, God. As long as he wants to use my hands or my actions, like work through me, God, I am his. And through God, we're going to go out and crush it, just like Tiger Phil and I would. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nothing. I'm obsessed with the idea that God would use us. I'm obsessed with it. It's the greatest concept in the universe. Besides him saving us, the second greatest concept is that he would use us to change eternal souls. So I ask you again, do you believe that God wants to use you? Because church, God is on a rescue mission at, for the souls at your job. And he wants to use you to spread the knowledge of the kingdom at your workplace. God is on a rescue mission in your neighborhood. And he wants to make his appeal through you to reconcile people from darkness into light. God's on a rescue mission in your family to, to, to reconcile and to love your family into the kingdom through you. Do you believe that God wants to use you? And for everything that God's trying to do, Satan's trying to do just as much, let me tell you. Satan is directly opposed to God's rescue mission. But, but here's the thing. He knows that it, God starts it and it's all through God because of God. But he also knows God's plan to use us. And Satan knows he can't stop one of us. Satan knows he can't stop God. So who do you think he comes after? He comes after us. And he tries to stop us. And when that happens, we have to rely upon the power of God. So for the rest, the rest of our time today, I'm going to actually set us up to fight against Satan's lies against us in this moment by relying upon God's power. Amen? 
Now, we, 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 you know, it's been a while since we've had like rhyming points at North River. It's been a while since we've had alliteration points at North River, but I have a rhyming alliteration point. Is that okay? All right. So here we go. Our second point, what do we need to put our faith in? We need to put our faith in, we need to amplify the ability of the Almighty. We need to amplify the ability of the Almighty. We need to put our faith in the power of God. First, we need to put our faith in his great rescue plan to use us. Then we need to put our faith in his power, that he is powerful enough to use us. You know, I think one of the biggest lies of Satan is that God can use him and God can use her, but God can't use me. And I want to talk to that for a minute. You know, first of all, uh, God uses us collectively as the body of Christ. You know, yesterday, whenever I'd finally get the ball in the hole, like my, it wasn't just my hands with the putt was, was, uh, was celebrating, my foot was a part of that, right? Because I'm like one body, right? So no matter who you are, no matter if you're a part of that person's life that is changing, no matter if you're the one studying the Bible of the person, no matter if you're in the water or not, we're, we all celebrate and that's all a victory for all of us. So I... It doesn't matter if you're a mom up in Kennesaw. When Josh, a single guy from Gwinnett, got baptized all the way in Gwinnett three or four weeks ago, you were a part of that. And he used all of us collectively as the body of Christ. God uses us, but he also wants to use you. And here's the thing about Satan. Satan is the father of lies. The only thing the Bible says Satan creates is deceit, is lies. He's the father of, he's the creator of lies. And he's an expert at convincing you that your problem is bigger than God. He's a master at making you believe that your weaknesses are stronger than the power of God. And he makes us question, not only does God want to use me, but is God able to use this mess? And you gotta take a step back you got to talk about that and think about that. I have a question. Come on. <laughs> and so I have a question for us. Have you forgotten who God is? Not have you forgotten God. Like you're here because you believe in God. You're here because you believe there's a creator of the universe, Yahweh. Not have you forgotten God, but have you forgotten who he is? You see, just because you believe in God doesn't mean you're viewing him the right way. Let me rephrase it. How big is your God? How big is he? It's not some relative truth as if you can make God bigger or not. No, we will never be able to understand the unlimited power of an almighty God. Yet it's up to you to decide if you believe he's that powerful. It's up to you to decide if you're going to live like he is that powerful. We have to amplify the ability of the almighty and when Satan makes you question if God is able to use you, we have to remind each other of how powerful God is. So I want to look at two verses that remind me of the power of God. Is that okay with you guys? You know, even if you said no, I'd still do it. So here we go. <laughs> Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that has at work within us, and to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love Paul's language here. He's so specific. Let's just work through it for a second, okay? He doesn't say, now to him who might be able. 
He doesn't say to him who is sometimes able. He says to him who is able. Then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say to him who is able to just do a little more or to do more. But he says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. But does he stop there? He doesn't stop there. So he keeps going. He says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we have ever seen? No. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine? Like, it's as if Paul is trying to say, like, how can I possibly use language to exaggerate his power in the best way possible? Like, what way can I possibly make you understand how big and how powerful this almighty God is? He's huge. And where is his power at work in? It says that incredible power is at work within us. God's power. He is able. But instead of focusing on God and his power, I think a lot of times what we can do is we can use our logic to dictate our, to destroy our faith instead of our, our God to define our faith. What do I mean by that? When you, your circumstances, the more you see something happen and not work out, you start going, you know what? It didn't work before, so it's not going to work again. So I'm not going to have faith about it. Instead of saying, it doesn't matter what's happened down here on earth. I know God is able to do it. So I'm going to believe if God did it once, he can do it again, no matter what I've seen in the past. You know, I think one of the circumstances that a lot of times we can stop believing God can work in is how we reach out to people. One of the ways I honestly think we can ride off is inviting random people to church. One of the ways that we can ride off is, 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 man, does it still work? Does it still work to meet somebody that I don't know and to invite them out and to connect with them and to love them or have them into my home? Can that still change someone's eternal destiny? And I think we can question that if God can still use that. I want to share a story. Uh, this guy right here, he's, his name is Abram Champion. If you don't know Abram, he's literally Mr. Champion, and this is his Mrs. Champion, Chelsea, right? You know, I met, this is a few years back, uh, and I was, I was parking on campus, and, um, and I was trying to pay a meter. I didn't have a credit card. I had a dollar. I, I didn't have change. So it was the middle of the night. I needed change. So I see a guy, like, walking 50 yards away in the parking lot. So I run over to him. Great way to start out, run up to someone in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so... I said, hey, bro, I'm trying to park. I got a dollar. Do you got any change? He says, well, no. And I said, okay, well, do you want to make a change in your life for Jesus? <laughs> and then he goes, did you really just ask me that? <laughs> and I said, yeah, actually, I did. <laughs> and, and then he goes, well, actually, man, I, I, I would like to grow in my walk with God. And I'm looking for that. And we, we connected and we started talking, watched some Falcons games together. And then we started studying the Bible. And like three months later, he got baptized. And that doesn't just stay there, guys. I, I want us to remember this. God can use some of the most awkward situations possible. If you, if you were first met by a stranger or you were first met by someone you barely knew who invited you to church, can you stand up, please? If you were first met by a stranger or someone you barely knew, can you stand up? Can we look around and praise God right now? You guys can take a seat. 
God can use the smallest interaction to change someone's eternal destiny. Don't write off that small interaction at the grocery store or with your waitress or wherever it is. God can use that. Amen. Let's go to another verse. Luke 18. This is one of my favorites. We don't have time to go through context with the rich young ruler, um, but Jesus says one of my favorite lines in the Bible right here. When, when the disciples ask, well, then who can be saved? Jesus replies, what is impossible with man, and read this with me, is possible with God. Let's do it one more time. What is impossible with man is possible with God. We serve the God of possible, church. He can make the impossible possible. That thing that Satan is lying to you about that he says is impossible to ever happen, he can even make that possible. Well, it's impossible for my neighbor to ever get, to ever become a Christian. Do you see the way that they treat their yard? Like, it's impossible in my work environment to ever talk about Christ. God can never use that. that and you might be right. You know, with man, it probably is impossible. But that's the key, isn't it? It's not just our strength. It's not just, is it possible with me? Is it, is it possible with God? And with God, church, all things are possible. Amen, church? You know, we've been talking about God's ultimate dream, to rescue mankind through Jesus. And I want to I talk a few minutes about dreams here in the, the last piece of our, our message. What do you dream, what are your dreams for this life? And maybe, maybe a better question is how big are your dreams? You see, I can tell how big your God is by how big your dreams are. Because if you serve a really big God, then you believe he can make really big things happen. But if you serve a really small God, then you don't think he can do much. It's only based off of your strength. So how big are your dreams? You know, the biggest dreams are the dreams that last for eternity. They're the dreams that last past this life into eternity. And there's some great dreams down here on earth but church, I want to call you to something. Even though there's good dreams down here on earth, don't make your biggest dreams about things that will burn. Don't make your biggest dreams about things that are, that are going to end in 80 years or 100 years or the life of your kids or grandkids. Dream for the things that will last, for souls that will last into eternity. Those are the biggest kind of dreams. I call you to dream like you serve a God of possible. Dream God-sized dreams. But I don't want us just to be obsessed with big dreams. That sounds a little too American-y to me, okay? I want to be obsessed with a big God. I want you to, I don't want you to be obsessed about just big dreams. I want you to be obsessed with how big God is and how incredible God is and how amazing God is and how strong God is. Because if you dream about him, man, he will dream through you. And you will catch on for this epic dream, the greatest mission, the greatest dream of all time, God's rescue mission through Jesus Christ. And you will start dreaming his dreams, and that is a God-sized dream. But Satan, you see, Satan wants you to miss the, the dream that God has for you. He wants you to miss the dream of God using you. You know who missed the dream? Blockbuster missed the dream. Y'all remember this place? Okay. <laughs> Y'all remember this place, Blockbuster? Y'all remember that? And you have to go walk through the aisles to try to find a VHS. For anybody younger, that thing up in the right corner, that's not a brick, okay? 
That's called, that's a VHS. I think it stands for a very historical system or something like that. You know, in 2004 at Blockbuster's peak, they had 60,000 employees across 9,000 stores. They had a revenue of $5.9 billion a year. And in 2000, they had the opportunity to buy a small DVD mailing company named Netflix. They had the opportunity to buy it for $50 million. Now that might sound like a lot to you and me, but for Blockbuster at the time, that was three days of revenue. And yet they didn't believe in the dream of Netflix. And now Blockbuster is bankrupt and all of us are addicted to Netflix. They missed the dream of what Netflix could be. They had their opportunity and they missed it. Guys, don't blockbuster the dreams of God in your life. Don't miss the dreams of how God is trying to use you. Don't miss it. I think, I think guys, the truth is, is that some of us are, are, have a Christian faith and an atheistic lifestyle where we, we act like God's hands are tied behind his back and he can't do anything in our life. And you move through life acting like he's not still here and he's not still moving and he can't still do great things through you. Have dreams that will fail without divine intervention that are, will only work through God. Amen? The way I want to close out is I want to close out by talking about a few epic stories of God's rescue mission on earth here at North River that have happened over the last year that all of us, whether you know these people or not, have been a part of because we're all part of the same body. Okay, so, oh, thank you for doing that. All right. So the first one is, uh, this is, this is uh, Kent Mosley is in the black right here. And then Rob Rosador, he all just met a second ago, is in the red on the left. And um, Rob had this dream for his workplace. And when he was interviewing for BlackRock, his company, uh, a couple years back, he said, God, if you give me this job, I will use it for your glory. And every time I have an opportunity to share the gospel, I'm going to do it. And sure enough, just a, a little bit later, uh, Kent Mosley started interviewing at BlackRock. He was able to meet Rob. Rob invited him out to, to lunch. And they connected and started studying the Bible. And then last year, Kent Mosley got baptized. And it's so inspiring. God has dreams for your workplace. Are you dreaming those same dreams? You know, another dream that's happened recently as I introduce you to Corey, Carlton, and Mo, okay? So uh, Corey's right here in the yellow, Carlton's in the middle, and Mo Doe is on the right. And so Corey and Carlton are childhood best friends. And five years ago, when, Car when Corey got baptized, he, he started dreaming about his best friend, Carlton. And Carlton wasn't quite ready yet and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, Mo, over the last couple of years, started dreaming for, in his workplace. You know, he's a producer. And he, he said, you know what, God? I want to have a mentor. I, I want to be a mentor to somebody in the world that I can help become a Christian. And sure enough, as the way God works, Carlton, kind of out of the blue, asked Mo, will you be my mentor? And so Mo's like, God, no way. <laughs> so they start studying the Bible together. And just a few months back, Carlton was baptized. Uh, I want to introduce you to Cody and Dylan Porter. And the young guy on the, the, the right is Charles Arnett. And so... Um, 
Cody got baptized eight years ago, and two weeks after his baptism, he texted his brother Dylan. He said, Dylan, there's two brothers in the Bible called the Sons of Thunder. I think that can be us. <laughs> but Dylan wasn't quite ready yet, and so, uh, but, but eight years later, just in this last year, Dylan started going through some things, found himself in a place that he didn't want to be, and he knew his brother could help him. So he went to his brother, and then Charles started jumping in there too, and with that whole family group, and just uh, within the last year, Dylan Porter was baptized as now your brother in Christ. <laughs> and then the last one, talking about dreams. Some of our dreams, we've been dreaming for 10 years. 20 years, 30 years. Kevin Broyles has been dreaming this dream for 43 years. You know, this is Kevin Broyles and his mom, Rita Broyles. Kevin got baptized when he was 20 years old, 43 years ago. And ever since he got baptized, he started dreaming that his family would make Jesus the Lord of their life. And just in the last year, Rita moved in with Kevin and Noel, and the whole village started loving Rita, and, and she started moving in her, her walk with God. And Rita Broyles is getting baptized today after church. What can the ability of the Almighty do through you? How are you going to dream? Like, what is he trying to do in your workplace? What is he trying to do in your neighborhood? What is he trying to do with you? But you have to open yourself up to dream his dreams so that he can use you. And right now, I want to talk about one last uh, dream. I want to invite uh, Juan Cortez and Harold Channer up on the stage. And um, this is Juan Cortez right here. And... Juan, Juan got baptized six years ago. He's gone on a mission trip with us a few times to Costa Rica. He graduated from Georgia State two years ago and has been dreaming to move to the mission field. And his dream is happening on Tuesday. And so, oh, tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. So, even faster. So, uh, Juan, Juan is going to be moving to Moldova in Eastern Europe to, to join the Revive EE mission team. We, we have a long line of people that have sacrificed for, the, for this great rescue mission of God at this church, and Juan is continuing that legacy. So the Revive EE, it's a team of 25 people of Sean Wooten. You know, we're connected through our European Mission Society, and they're going to be in Moldova serving the small church there, and then also hosting a refugee camp to show the love of God and take care of the needs of refugees out of Ukraine. So he's going to be moving there. The Revive EE team is for 10 months, and um, we're so proud of you, man, so inspired by you, and Juan's briefly just going to share a couple words. Hello. Yeah, so I just want to say thank you to the church. You guys have given so much, not just here locally, but internationally as well. And I totally agree with what Tom says often that North River is like an airship or aircraft carrier um, where disciples come and get trained, and get sent off, and I, got, I got, get to be, I get the privilege to be one of those disciples getting sent off. Amen. Amen. So before I pray for Juan, I wanted to say, you know, I've uh, served with Juan uh, in Costa Rica a couple years back. And, you know, what a quiet, powerful spirit God has put in this brother right here. Amen. You know, he's such an inspiration. And so, you know, brother, I know you're going to do amazing things. You know, God is good and he will definitely work through you with the Holy Spirit, the power of God will be there for you. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we are here laying our hands on Juan. 
Father, just as there's such an amazing service today, just really giving us vision, giving us the mission that we've all been called to in all walks of our lives and all perspectives of, of our lives. Lord, I know Juan is, is, has just a passion to live out that mission. Father God, I do pray that uh, as it talks about in Isaiah 41.10, how it's, you know, we are not, we don't live by fear. We live by you. We live through your power. We rely on your spirit. We rely on your righteousness. Father, I pray Juan will do that on a daily basis. Father, I pray when he gets up and when he goes back to bed and throughout the day, he will be in constant devotion and prayer. Father, I pray that we will pray uh, for him. We will pray that our hearts will be connected with him, that we are there in spirit, Father, that he will be in spirit here with us as well. Lord, I pray, God, that you will strengthen him daily. Father, I know that there is a language barrier, you know, between Juan uh, uh, Spanish and being in the Eastern Europe in the various languages, but the power of you can work through anything. That's right. And Father God, I pray that you will strengthen him through that. I pray that you will build his confidence through that. Lord, and I pray that you will build his vision through that. Lord, he will be such an amazing addition to the team there in Ukraine. Lord, bless him. Watch over him. Protect him. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. As we go into a time of communion, I want to read this verse, and then I'll pray for us. But as we read this, I want you to just picture the greatest rescue mission of all time, of Jesus coming to earth and dying for us, and how he wants to let his blood flow through us and to use us to help other people. Let's read. In Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Let's pray for communion. Father God, We worship you. Thank you for dreaming for us and sending Jesus down on the greatest rescue mission. Thank you that he offered us salvation and now you want to use us. And we know it's only possible through Jesus' sacrifice. God, I pray right now as we take the juice that represents the blood of Jesus. And as we take the bread that represents his body, that we can remember how Jesus died for us and made all this possible. And God, I pray that as we take a few minutes of silence here, that we can meditate on that sacrifice and be in awe of your salvation and how you want to use us. And in Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.